Welcome to the Golden Moment Podcast. My name's Mio Biskin. In today's episode, I had a really great conversation with my great friend, Mick Young. He's a musician, he's a teacher, he's a parent, he's a spiritual guru, <laughs> he's a relationship counsellor, um, he's so many things. And um, this conversation was an excuse for me to have a public conversation with my friend Mick, who I often have private conversations with, where we have very long, um, meandering conversations that are very open and always intellectually stimulating. I always learn something. Um, also, I also feel very heard when I'm in a conversation with Mick, and you'll see that he's just a very thoughtful um great great person so i really wanted to bring him onto this podcast to introduce him to you he's been a mentor of mine he's been many things so um this is this is an an opportunity for me to i suppose honor him and get him uh, out in front of you so anyway i hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we enjoyed having it here's my conversation with mick young so i'm here with mr mick young Excellent human, good friend, extraordinaire, musician, all sorts of things. Guitar teacher. What else do you do, Mick? Everything. <laughs> Parenting. Parenting. <laughs> he parents very intensively. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm really happy we're doing this. Um, I think this this podcast will have a slightly different flavor to the other ones I've done because we've known each other for a long time. We've known each other for 20 something years, probably. Yeah. Mid 2000s, I'd say. Yeah. Is that 20 years yet? 15, something like that. Um, We've played music together. We've toured together. We've helped each other in lots of other ways. You've been also an, an, a mentor who's helped me in life, love, music, business, and just keep my shit together. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, someone, someone who I probably the one, one of the few people who I feel that I can definitely just be myself around, which is a huge gift. So that's one of the reasons I'm excited about this. So um we might um, just go through a, a, a bit of your journey so people get to know you a little bit because whether you know it or not, I'm planning on you being a repeat guest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it'd be great for people to get to know you. So maybe you can give us a quick rundown and then we might go back to a few key points um, throughout your life. So, yeah, who are you? Where okay, are you well. and what do you do? <laughs> well. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, well, gee, where, where do you start? I should just say as well, you've helped me through a ridiculous amount of things as well. It's not a, not a one-way street there. Um, I don't quite know where to start. Maybe with music, that's sort of how we got, we got connected anyway, was um, I had my first band happening in Melbourne and uh, called The Restless. So I'd moved from the country... Grew up in a town called Stall, um, Western Victoria, 300 kilometres northwest of Melbourne. 
and basically was a, a kid who was very sporty into footy and tennis and cricket and then um, but also music which is that was a problem <laughs> too many different too many different interests conflicting um, and when I finished school I moved to Melbourne moved to the big smoke and um, studied music at Box Hill TAFE which which was the, the well the best thing about that was just meeting other musicians and and then I formed a started writing songs sort of actually after I finished studying music studying music sort of held me back in some ways, I think, and then started writing songs and um, eventually got this band together, The Restless, and things went pretty well pretty quickly with um, radio play on Triple J and a couple of EPs and an album, etc. And I met, met you along the way there somewhere and we did some touring and um, actually that was, well, we played together, didn't we, with you when you were in Lamplight and then... Um, went, the band went its separate ways and I started playing under the name Young Werther, which was sort of a solo project. And that was where you and I actually toured together, you actually playing my songs, <laughs> which was um, sort of mad, silly, crazy, insane fun. <laughs> um, staying in cheap, crappy hotel rooms and drinking uh, dis. Uh, what was it called? I've forgotten what it's called. Instant coffee. <laughs> Forgot what instant coffee was called there for a second. Um, yeah. And then I, I somewhere in, the, in there, I had a couple of kids and got married and all that, all that jazz. Um, and and then I was teaching music all the way through that as well because of the well, there was big dollars rolling in for the from the independent music scene, of course. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, I just support. Yeah. Needs to keep it real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to had a family to feed and all that jazz, so I taught music all the way through. And I got to this point when I was about... So the other thing that had been a constant throughout my life since the time I was about 18 or 19 was a sort of a spiritual, a spiritual seeking, spiritual journey of some kind um, through various traditions and meditation practices and um, many different books and and spiritual leaders that I sort of em- tried to emulate or follow or whatever. And then um, came this point, was about 2010, I think, where my my album hadn't really gone anywhere. My um, The touring thing wasn't working for me as a family man and... It wasn't working for me as a per, as a person. It just wasn't. Mm. It wasn't working for my you know health wise. It wasn't good. It wasn't good for me in a lot of ways. It was a lot of fun, but it wasn't that good for me. And then there's there'd always been this question there about this kind of spiritual part of me. And then I had an opportunity to go to Germany um, to live in Hamburg for a couple of years and study Rudolf Steiner's work really intensively. Um, his more esoteric spiritual side of things as opposed to the I mean the most sort of commonly heard about things are the education system Steiner education and yeah. biodynamic biodynamic agriculture and um, anthroposophical medicine and all that jazz but I went down the spiritual esoteric path and that um, that was amazing incredible time of my life and challenging in lots and lots of ways um, and then 
we made a decision as a family, my wife's English, to um, move back to England, well, for her going back to England, me going to England. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've landed in this beautiful place in South Devon, which is the West Country in England. And, um, yeah, we've, for the last two years we've been setting up a life here. And now my work is actually, so which came out of the, the training that I did in Germany in the sort of spiritual work and personal development work, you know, not just spiritual stuff, but sort of the American style person development things that I've been doing for years, Tony Robbins and those kind of, uh, you know, California people that came out of California and all that. Um, all the people, <laughs> big teeth, wide eyes, big, teeth. big ideas, yeah. big energy. Yeah. Which I also <laughs> am very partial to. Yeah. We yeah. bonded over Tony. We love Tony. Yeah, took a <laughs> took me a long time to get past all the all the cultural things, but um, yeah, there's too. a lot a lot of good stuff in there. Yeah, um, and now I work. It's it's life coaching in a sense, um, but it often sort of has a spiritual angle. Not that I I don't really talk about that unless people want to talk about that. That's mm. up to them. And it's got now it's really focused on relationships. So that could mostly. Uh, as in love relationships, r- romantic marriages, etc. Mm. Mm. Um, and then, it, but it can go, it can sort of go anyway. That's sort of the angle I take is relationships, but it ends up being about whatever it is for that person and their life journey. Really. Yeah. 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 And we've talked a bit about the importance of relationships and um, like that, that intimate relationship thing. It's, it's such an important thing in your life like it's something you've really focused on which is why you're able to spend time with people and help them with it but what is it about it about relationships that you find so either interesting or important um i think it partly comes from my own so extremely lucky in that i met someone so i was like 23 i think 22, 23, uh, when I met Emily, my wife, and we had so much in common. Everything went really great from the start. You know, we, we still have our ideals in life are very well aligned and sense of humour is well aligned and lots of other stuff. And so I, got, I kind of got lucky <laughs> you know, early on. And But then... I realized that even though things are, you can have all that stuff, you can have all those things in common, everything can be like seemingly perfect and it's still really, really hard. It's really challenging. Relationships in general just are. And, um, and why, why is that? Because yeah. I think that's really interesting. Um, I think our, like our concept of relationships that we get taught through media and movies and just the culture or whatever is, I don't know, I suppose one of the models I had was, I don't know, you meet someone and it's all cool, but if there's something wrong with them, you should move on. And, um, and you know, that obviously sent me through a series of, you know, different relationships or whatever, until I realised there's this thing, I was like, oh, okay, no, they're, they're just, they actually are hard. There's like, there's going to be work involved. There's this idyllic idea that you'll find the, the perfect person or the, the knight in shining, shining armor and happy, happily ever after. So mm-hmm. what, 
why, why are they so hard? <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, there's a lot of different ways to answer it. But one is to say that it's, it's, it's a mirror. The relationship is really an intense way to experience yourself. So, you know, yes, you could go and live in a cave and that's sort of what I thought I'd, I'd do in my <laughs> early 20s. I thought I'd end up meditating in a cave for 10 years or something. And that's got its own challenges, of course. So I'm not saying that's an easy path, but mm -hmm. this path of having um, this intimate other with you through the great times and the terrible times and everything in between, showing you, reflecting back to you who you are through them, through the, the triggers that come up about the littlest things. You know, I was just talking to a couple that I was working with the other day about the cutlery drawer issue when you live with someone and it's amazing it nearly comes up with every everyone I speak to yeah. that they came into the relationship you know moved in together and realized the other person puts things in the cutlery drawer in a different order <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like it sounds like a silly thing but it's like this mm. clash of two world belief systems so you come in mm. with your whole cultural familial um whatever it might be religious it might be you know spiritual views or mm. atheistic views whatever you come into this cauldron <laughs> this crucible where these two belief systems clash or, mm. or or not even clash or just but just meet each other and the, the cutlery draws a funny one because it's like mm. it happened to me it was like i just saw the cutlery draw how she did it and i went what's she doing What's, what's she doing? It's good. There they go. This person's an insane you, person. Yeah. You, you get this uh, sense that actually things can be done in many different ways, <laughs> <laughs> which you get a little bit when you have a ha house share and you live with your mates while you're studying mm. or whatever. But when it becomes this really intimate thing, this person's going to know pretty much everything about you and you're going to know mm. pretty much everything about them, all the stuff that you want to know and all the stuff that you didn't want to know. Mm. It's just going to be intense. Mm. And I think it's also that the, the reason it needs work, I don't really like using the word work because mm. of all the negative connotations, but it needs energy given to it of some mm. form in some form. That's how I prefer to put it. Mm. The reason that that's the case is because of, basically the law of entropy where everything in the universe, including our bodies and our houses and our, and our cars and our relationships are all heading towards destruction. Basically, mm. sorry to put it so bluntly, but yeah, disorder. The body, it's disorder. The body is going to run out of steam. Mm. If you don't feed it, water it, move it and exercise it and do something for it, it is going to it's going to head towards dysfunction mm. and it's going to go that way anyway. We're all going to go that way anyway, but yeah, yeah. you have an opportunity to do something about it. And it's exactly the same with relationships. If you just set it up, think it's going to be set it on autopilot and let it just do its thing. You're going to hit road bumps and you're going to hit road bumps anyway. It's just the nature of people, individuals growing towards who they really are. Mm. that you're going to come up against stuff. It's just the, the natural order of things. So this 
the only alternative to that is to put some energy into it. And that's what a lot of people don't do is they just mm. think, oh, yeah, my relationship, that just should look after itself. Mm. But actually nothing really looks after itself mm. in a way. Yeah, that's true. I like the analogy of a house. Like even if you, you move into a brand new house, at some point the doors are going to start to stick and, you know, parts of it are not going to work. The paint's going to fade. There's going to be these little, you know, uh, stains, water stains on the walls or whatever on the outside. And you have to make time to put energy into it or attention to continue to, I suppose, maintain is probably not uh, your favorite word either in this area, but, but with a house, you know, you kind of need to maintain it or it will go into that disrepair and then you can't really live there anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other, um, one other thing about the relationships um, being so important, what one thing I've sort of uh, experienced with relationships is they're, they're either going to be the best thing in your life or they're going to be the worst thing that usually our, our memories, like if you think about some of the worst things that have happened to you, I don't know, I guess it's different for different people, but oftentimes, you know, a breakup is going to be in there somewhere. It's like, it's something that can really devastate you for a long time. And then, but if you also think about some of the highlights of your life, there's usually, you know, that intimate partner is involved in, in that as well. So, so it, it traverses such a huge dynamic range in our emotional life or whatever that the, um, it really deserves the attention to make, to, to show that we value it and, so that it doesn't hit that rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. And it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily take much either. You know, mm. it's, it's, it's our lives, our lives are made up of these tiny little moments. You tend to think in big terms all the time, like, Oh, I've got mm. to save my relationship. I have to, you know, spend hours a day working out what to do and all that sort of stuff. But actually it's the tiny little actions that you take each day or that or even just the tiny uh, moments where you're actually giving some thought to it mm. it's like one i think one of the hardest things for human beings to do is actually to think <laughs> you know you can go if you're, if you're washing the dishes consciously yeah if you're washing the dishes or something like that your body can just kind of do it automatically and you can your mind's free in a way but to consciously decide mm. I'm going to actually think about this particular thing mm. and actually do eventually maybe even do something about it. <laughs> that takes, that takes energy. And most of us, I think as we get older, we tend to just want to do the things that are habitual and it, because it's just easier. It doesn't take up any energy. Mm. So the, this idea of putting energy into the relationship can often sound like this huge scary even scary sometimes for people difficult thing to do mm. oh no i can't because of um you know my career's really important i need to put all my time into that or the kids are really important i've got to put my time into that but actually it can be the tiniest little thing just thinking of the other person a bit more often and thinking what do they need mm. and maybe they just needed me to do, do something for them that took five minutes or maybe they needed a kind word or maybe they needed um, a little note just to remind them that I really appreciate what they do every day or, you know, mm. and it's those tiny little things that, that actually 
add up and make a big difference. Mm. Yep. It's very true. It is amazing. Um, it's like applying, it's yeah, like applying the, the right thing at the right time can make such a huge difference in someone's day. Like I know if my partner intervenes in a way and, and, I don't know, does something for me just at the right time. It, it makes a world of difference. Like it can feel like, oh, this person has thought about me. They care about me. They're looking after me in this particular way. And I don't know, just the relationship can shift from those small things. Um, I'd like to talk about some music, music stuff. Um, so what, when, when you... Um, either we're getting started in music or um, your experience of writing songs. What's the thing that initially really drew you to it? What was something that happened early on where you thought, oh, this is something I, I'm into and I want to do and I derive some okay. kind of satisfaction from it? Yeah. I remember a particular moment when I was about 10 years old and um, my mate from up the road, he used to come over and we'd always listen to, we'd put dad's records on. We'd always listen to Sgt. Pepper's Beatles. And I just remember listening to the way the guitars sort of intertwined with each other. And I wasn't conscious, very conscious of what was happening or anything, but mm. I had this thought, I would like, I would like to do that whatever that was. I don't know. I don't really know what that was, but the, the, the way the guitars came in and intertwined did something to me emotionally, I suppose. And I thought I'd like to do that. And I was, and then after that, I was always listening to it thinking, who, who do I want to, what do I want to be? Do I want to be the one making the guitar-y noises? Do I want to be the one making <laughs> the drum sounds? Do I want to be the one singing? And I could never work out. I could never decide which thing I wanted to be. But anyway, that so music was always there. Dad played in bands and dad's dad's a really good drummer and singer and so music was always there. And then it wasn't really until after I'd studied music at tertiary level that I thought about songwriting. And one day my mate, a housemate I was living mm. with, he had a little four track recorder and um, I just had a muck around on it this one day and I came up with this song and added a couple of different parts and then vocals and whatever. And then when I'd finished it and I played it to a few people, this, this thought very strongly just went, I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> I could do this as in whatever that meant, write songs, I suppose. <laughs> and so, yeah, I started, I had written a couple of songs a few year, years um, previously, but they were crap. <laughs> this was the first one where I thought, oh, this is all right. And, um, it sort of went went from there. I started doing it more. Did started doing a couple of gigs in Melbourne, which was a which was a massive thing. Even just doing a gig in Melbourne for me, this yeah kid from the country, that was a really huge deal for me. Mm. Playing solo guitar and singing, um, mm. and then yeah, then I felt then a couple of just random coincidence meetings meant that I got a band happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that interesting. Um, um, the so when you started talking about that, you know, first gig in Melbourne thing, because I had a very similar experience. The first time I did an open mic in Melbourne, because I grew up in a country town, not 
300 k's away, but just outside of Geelong. And then when I came to Melbourne, I think I actually drove up from Geelong to go to do an open mic because I don't think there was one in Geelong. Um, I remember doing that gig and it was terrifying and nerve wracking. And I did a cover and I did an original, I think, that I'd probably just written, I don't know, a few months before or something, one of my first songs ever. And it was a huge turning point. It was, um, it just felt so momentous. I'm not sure if there's been many other gigs since that that have had that feeling. Do you relate to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. It was, big, it was it's, it's a big statement to the world, isn't it, to go up on stage in front of people and put mm. your heart and soul on the line and, and then, you know, could go either way. Yes. <laughs> that, I suppose it's a it real... really could. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my case, it almost did go the other way. I don't think we've, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I did this open mic and I was going to do, um, it's going to do two songs and there was an MC. There's always an MC and they're usually a, a startup comedian really that, that I don't know, they're trying to get a comedy, you know, I don't know, career going or something. Um, and so I was going to do an Augie March cover and he, he went, Oh, Augie March. I hate that band. <laughs> and he was meant to be introducing me. It was my first time on stage and I was already almost in tears. I was like, oh, my God, he hates this song. Everyone's going to hate this song. <laughs> and, I, and I did it and I was just terrified. I really was very much on the verge of tears, almost having like a mental breakdown. Yeah. And then, you know, pushed through and did it. But when I came out the other side of it, I was just completely exhilarated. I just, I just had erased anything that guy said and, um, yeah, so it is a can be one of those make or break moments. Yeah, and you pushed you pushed through, didn't you? And then you got the you pushed through and got the gold at the end, sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. So that was enough to get you going. Yeah, you get that affirmation of oh, I I can do this. Like you were saying, like oh, I can do this. You start to see a glimmer of possibility. And I remember I I even had to borrow an acoustic guitar from a friend to do it. I had an electric guitar from when I was 11. And then, so I had to go take it back to him afterwards. And um, I remember handed it, handing it back to him and just saying, I'm going to do this. This is what uh, I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. And like you were saying, what is this? I, I didn't know what this was, but I knew I was going to do more of it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's a mo momentous thing. So what was your experience? Where did, where did you do your, First gig in Melbourne. Yeah, it was also an open mic, and it was um, so I did three songs. I think three. I think I did three original songs. It was um, the Royal Derby in Brunswick um, Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, right corner of Brunswick yeah. Street and Alexandra Parade, pretty much. Yep. Yeah, and then I actually saw Augie March there as well at some point oh, really? around that time. So yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I was really really nervous. My, my girlfriend at the time, her parents were there and um, I don't know, I can't really remember much about it, but I must have already decided this is what I was going to do. So, mm. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what else can we talk about? Well, one, another reason I, I really wanted to talk to you and want to continue talking to you is to, um, is to maybe simulate how conversations can happen. <laughs> 
pe- people have conversations all the time, but there's something that we've both acknowledged that's interesting about our friendship is that we don't just believe what the other person believes. We're not in lockstep with each other's belief systems or um, how we approach the world. And we have, it's really interesting, like you were saying about your wife, that you have so many values, I suppose, aligned. I suppose we have that too. We have a couple of very core values that are aligned that allow us to talk about things that are not aligned, that are Mm. like polar opposites in many ways. And I think if I were to just encounter someone, well, maybe this, this is kind of part of it. If I was to encounter someone just out of the blue who had such divergent views to me, I think I would find it difficult to find a way to connect, but because I suppose we have a basis of a friendship, we're able to not even disagree. We don't really disagree. We just talk about things. (laughs) Yeah. So what, and what do you think is at the basis of that? What do you think allows that to happen? Well, this is one of my favorite, favorite topics. Um, So yeah, thanks for bringing it up. This, Mm. Because it's so important in any any relationship, friendship, any anything, and it's to do with. Um, well, I think in our case, it's to do with a mutual respect for the other person, regardless of what they believe. And I think if you can start with that in friendships and relationships, you can extend it to everyone you meet. Mm-hmm. That you know, standing before me right now, this person who believes these things that I think are horrendous or, (laughs) or just wrong, or maybe they even have racist beliefs or, you know, all kinds of things that people believe. Then this question arises about how to deal with that. You know, so do I, do I just take a um, contrary position and just, you know, as soon as they say anything that I don't believe or agree with, do I meet them and, and challenge it? Or, or can I ask it sort of a deeper question in a way, which is who is this person and what are they trying to say? What almost think, you know, what's behind the words. And so there's a great exercise you can do. I think that's really helpful with this. Um, and that is essentially just following another person's thinking, regardless of whether you agree or disagree, disagree, mm either it doesn't matter but follow their thinking so that you you really really understand where they're coming from which is really really challenging you know especially if it's someone who believes something completely contrary to what you do mm. but often what happens when you do this if you really do it properly and follow another person's thinking is that um a kind of a space opens up where something new comes in it's like you learn something. You don't just learn something though. You like, you really get something <laughs> mm-hmm. and something new. You, you notice when you try it with people, something new occurs to them as well. So I had a conversation. I'm not an atheist, but I had a conversation with someone who was an atheist and we started from a place of, um, what happens talking about what happens when you die. And they basically said, when you die, that's it finished, you know, Hmm. gone that's it you're just your body and that's that's the end of it and you know maybe when I, my early 20s if i had a dis a, 
an um, opposite view to someone, I'd sort of challenge it and try and, mm. you know, convince them or whatever. Mm. And now what I do more so is actually, you know, really d- dive deeply into their thinking and follow it. Can I really follow it? And it's actually painful. It's painful to do it because everything in you wants to disagree and go against mm. it. Mm. And you almost think, feel like you're, um, what's the word? Um, it almost feels like you're agreeing with it or saying it's okay for them to believe that. Right, right. Let's say it's a, a racist thing, just to use an extreme example. You, everything in you wants to say wrong, 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 stop. Mm. You, you know, prove them wrong. If you do this thing of following the thinking through, mm. and often this magic moment comes. Yeah, so I was having this conversation with an atheist saying death's the end, etc., And then just this after this conversation of following the thinking through this little moment came where the person went, well, but I suppose we don't know really, do we? Mm. And that was just that, just the little window Mm. of keeping the question open. And I'm not saying that I'm trying, I then need to go and convince the person that I'm right. They could Mm. be doing it to me from an atheist point of view and Mm -hmm. trying to, Get me to learn something new. So, yeah, but th- that's where this human connection then comes in. You actually feel when you, when you practice this that, that this human connection becomes much more important than just an opinion mm. because we're so much more than just our opinions, although mm. being, on face- being on Facebook would um, <laughs> have you believe otherwise. But so, yeah, this real human meeting that can occur when one person just decides to listen to another. Mm. So but to come back to your question, why is it like that with you and I? I don't really know, but I think we both um, give each other the space to say what we think and then ask questions mm. to see where they go. But we don't ever go, I mean, we tell each other what we believe but we mm. don't ever say you're wrong or <laughs> and here's why try and convince or try and convince the other of why they're wrong yeah. just listen so yeah yeah i think that the thing of the mutual respect but and also the the openness to learning and openness to the idea that you can be wrong that you don't have all the answers and yeah People have interesting things that you can learn <laughs> when you listen rather than just talk all the time or try to convince everyone. That's very powerful. Um, I also, Sorry, just to cut in there, but I also think that um, often if you just listen to the, another person, you find that actually a lot of the times you, have, you actually have similar things that you believe, but... Mm. They come, they're expressed in different words. So often we're, mm. you'd be arguing, I don't know if you've had this experience, you're arguing with someone, but actually it turns out that you sort of agree, but you're just using different words. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or underneath the, the belief or the opinion, you, you essentially want the same outcome, but you've come to it in different ways or something. I yeah. guess that's very often when I think about in politics, left and right, both sides are trying to generally, you could say they're trying to achieve, you know, improved conditions for for people in a fairer society or a better society or something that is going to function and be more stable, whatever the outcome is. They, they tend to generally want to be moving in those directions, but 
they just have very different philosophies as how to get there. And if you get to the bottom of it, you can have that mutual respect, I suppose, which as we know, just over the last, I don't know, five or so years has the polarity has been so strong that it's very difficult to get to any kind of common ground. It's almost like you're not allowed to actually reach a common ground. You have to disagree with the other person. You have to hate them actually. And, yeah. and you can, you can never admit that they have any value <laughs> or anything valuable to yeah. share. Yeah, that's right. That's where these, you know, they're kind of like I picture them as kind of forces of division which come in and you've got the left, the right, you've got the feminist, the non-feminist, you've got the, you know, every in every area of life. You know, now with the COVID-19 coronavirus thing, you've got people who are terrified of the virus itself mm. and um, follow what the mainstream media says and, and that's where they're coming from. Then you've got other people who are more... They think it's all about government controlling us more. Mm. And it's just another point on which, um, on which to be divided that, mm. that it sort of eats away at our common humanity. It's like, you know, us versus them. It's, mm. you know, the people who really think the virus is a, a big threat are, are really angry with the people who don't and mm. vice versa, you know. Mm. But yeah. then it just turns us against one another. Mm. A lot of the time. Yeah. One of the other things I heard as you were talking about um, really following the other person's thinking. So um, was just the simple um, dynamic that when you really listen deeply to someone and you hear them out, it creates a connection immediately because the person feels heard, you know, they feel seen and acknowledged and you've allowed them to lay out their thing. So in a way it creates this very kind of safe environment for them to start even questioning themselves and, and being more open or whatever. But I think that's, that's such a powerful thing you can do for another human being is really just be there and listen deeply. And I know that's something in, in some of your training that you were doing is how to listen deeply. Do you have yeah. any insights you want to share before we maybe wind, wind her up? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> we have trouble just that the worries and Mio's smiling now is because we often have trouble winding <laughs> up and we end up <laughs> saying we're going to talk for 20 minutes and talking for three hours. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's important with the, with listening that you're not going into it with an agenda. So you're not going in to speak to someone with this other view in order to change their view. If you're going in with an ulterior motive, then that's always there in the background and it, and it, the mm. sort of the process doesn't really work in the same way. Mm. It's not about going in to try and convince someone of something else. It's more just going in to purely listen and, under, and understand another person in, in some way. And that's really the key is to understand. So to understand the first, to listen, to understand, and then actually the, to make it even more powerful, if you really want to go to the next level, is show them that you understood. Mm. So, you know, say back to them in your own words what you've understood and see if you really did understand why they believe that or what they actually believe. Mm. And that's when they, that's when the other person 
will really feel heard and mm. understood. Because really, I think mm. one of the deepest human needs is to be understood. Mm. Yeah, we want to be heard. Yes, we want to be, you know, loved. We want to be accepted. Mm. We also really want to be understood. And if another person can put themselves aside for, or if we can do it for another person, put ourselves aside our own wishes, desires, passions, opinions, beliefs, just, just put them aside just for a brief moment and really allow this other person to be, to speak. It's, it's, um, it's, it's actually a sacrif sacrificial act in a way for that short time to get ourselves out of the road and something new can, can come to, to both people. It's a mutual, it's a mutual thing. So it's, it's a real gift if someone can do that either for us or us for them in, in my experience anyway. And to come back to relationships, that's one of the keys. It's not everything, but um, people talk a lot about communication in relationships, how important it is. Mm. But um, more than communication, I think it's about understanding because we're, we're actually communicating all the time in a, in a relationship, the way we, the, the look on our face, the subtle expressions, the subtle tones in our voices, body language. We're actually, there's no, there's never a communication. There's never an issue with communication. We're always communicating whether we like <laughs> it or not. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it's not, just about communications it's about understanding and mm. seeking to understand and you can't, you can't always understand sometimes you won't understand you won't get it but mm. to at least try mm. yeah yeah it's a it's a beautiful picture to paint i'm sort of thinking yeah because when we do talk about communication it's sort of like well i'm here now and i'm going to say something as well as i can say it i'm going to try and clearly communicate what's happening here if the listening isn't happening and the 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 energy to to fully receive it i suppose be an open receiver then the communication is just gonna hit the wall and fall to the floor and not do anything so it's interesting the emphasis emphasis on communication but very little on listening yes yeah and underst understanding even <clears throat> the, the next step yeah 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 that's, that's next level. Because actually when we're in the heat of the moment of things, and I'll, I'll stop now, but uh, in the <laughs> heat of things. I'm hanging up <laughs> In the heat of the moment, if you're honest with ourselves, we actually don't really want to understand. understand. We mm. want to hold on to our thing. No, 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 I'm right. You know, mm -mm. I've got the, I know what I'm talking about. You've got it wrong. We don't want to actually, actually want to understand. So that's where that real, um, it takes courage. It takes it takes courage. It's, it's scary to not stand your ground in a way. It's, it's the opposite to standing your ground. Mm. And that's, that's in our culture, that's sort of against the flow. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, this is part one of many. Um, if people <laughs> want to find out more about what you do and what you're up to at the moment, where's the best place for them to go and connect with you? Yeah. Well, so, so yeah, okay. The, um, the website is relationshipevolution.co. So that's the coaching stuff. If anyone's interested in the music side of things, then I'm at 
uh, it's the Bandcamp site for Young Werther. So what is it? Youngwerther.bandcamp.com. Yeah, I'll, I'll put links around the place so yeah. people can yeah, cool. go check stuff out. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. Man, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and to listen very deeply to you. <laughs> um, and I really look forward to doing it again. Me Our too. Yeah. Every, every time we have a conversation and we have them regularly and um, I always leave... I don't know, better off than when I came. It's always a, a transformational sort of uh, thing in my life. So, again, thank you for it. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to the next time. Well, it's the same for me. Same for me every time. So, thank you. <laughs> cool. Peace out. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. So, there you go. We went all over the place. Mitch got some great advice for, you know, relationships, music, all sorts of stuff. So, you can find out all the links to the different things that Mick does in the show notes or in the description below here. So please check him out, connect with him in all those different places. Uh, your life will be better off um, in that instance. So if you like this episode, please hit the like button, the thumbs up, share it on social media, you know, with your own kind of comments or your insights into this conversation. Please leave comments below also i'd love to hear from you leave a review or give it a rating on itunes or stitcher wherever you happen to be listening to this and i thank you very much for that that helps to get the podcast out to more music lovers and listeners who would be interested in this kind of thing so thanks very much if you'd like to get a free download of some of my music you can head to meobiskin.com backslash free music or you can get a signed limited edition personalized CD sent to you anywhere in the world of my latest album Golden Moment by going to meobiskin.com slash gmcd. You also get a instant digital download of the album and the artwork and lyric booklet when you decide to do that. So thanks again for checking this out. Um, I look forward to hearing from you in the comments below. Take it easy, stay golden, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.